Hey guys, this is The Real Estate Podcast and it's your host, Alex Kaufman. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I need you to do me a solid. Hit that subscribe button on your phone if you haven't done so already and share this episode with just one person. It's gonna help us get this information out to more people to learn about entrepreneurship and real estate. Thanks, now let's dive into today's episode. Doing all the research and your other foot on the gas and keep in what I call getting ready to get ready. But at some point, you're going to have to jump off the bridge or jump off the mountain or whatever it is and, and grow those wings. And there is something that you don't know right now that you're going to learn in the process. So you'll never know it all before you before you take action. So if I put take it and summarize all of that down to two words is take action on all the knowledge and the things that you've already acquired. All right. Hey, everybody. This is Alex Kaufman with the Real Estate Podcast. And today we have a special guest. We got Tyrone McDaniel with Houston Vintage Homes. What's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me, Alex. Pleasure to be on, man. Absolutely. So uh, I believe uh, Josh Esparza connected us. You know Josh well? Well, no. Actually, uh, Matt had reached out initially, um, maybe... um, I don't know what, uh, maybe Josh sent uh, Instagram or something like that. And then uh, Matt reached out and here we are. <laughs> cool. Well, we're excited, man. Uh, Thank so you. what do y'all, what do y'all got going on in, in Houston right now? Do you only focus on building in Houston? So uh, primarily, yes. Uh, but then there's a caveat to that. So um, my own personal efforts uh, let me phrase it like that. Yes, but however, we do projects in other cities. Um, I have set up a subsidiary of our uh, building and development company in, for Atlanta. And quite honestly, uh, it's in my heart of hearts to really do business there in Austin. So we got some uh, things that I want to do there in the custom space. But outside of that vertical, um, we have I have a design firm called Urban Vintage Designs, where we do design and development of, of affordable housing. And with that particular company, we're, we have things that we're doing that aren't necessarily my projects. We're just brought in to design or consult. And so those projects are, you know, we have some tentative things we're working on in Detroit and Cleveland right now. I'll be in Los Angeles uh, later on this week, actually. Chucks, yeah. That's uh, fun, man. So, so there are a couple of different businesses we have, but my own personal investing and flips and things of that nature and new construction projects that I do that are within our firm are locally. And then we consult and design for people in other parts of the country. Cool. Okay. And uh, so how long have you been uh, building homes and investing in real estate for? Sure. So I'm considered an old timer, man. I actually got into the entire real estate space basically in 2000. So I've been around for a little while, but I entered real estate. uh, I wouldn't call it the traditional tract, if you will, but I just went more the traditional route. I believe you have two worlds of real estate. You have the traditional world, loan officers, you know, realtors and so on and so forth. Then you have non-traditional or off-market, if you will. So I started out uh, working in a mortgage office, became a loan officer, then a mortgage broker, got my license. At the same time, my wife was a licensed agent as well. Her career was in engineering. And so we kind of matriculated through that career track of utilizing uh, real estate as a career while buying a house or two here, there and flipping a house or two of there. Now, my whole mission was to get to what we're doing right now. And so I felt like if I could learn the finance side and then the agency side, um, it could help me do some of the things that we're doing now. So that was originally how we got started. 
Um, I built my first house in 2005. And, um, and so, yeah, that was where I started. Is that when you uh, sold it or that's when you started building it? Yeah. So that, uh, it was towards the middle of 05. Um, he ended up selling to, it was a 14 unit development actually. Um, and <laughs> we could do a whole podcast on all the, the lessons that came out of that. So the mission or the vision was to build all 14. Um, I was undercapitalized. It was my first project, made a ton of mistakes, crucial mistakes. And so ultimately only built two of the 14, um, that I were able to sell. And we had to ultimately another developer had to come in and finish the remaining 12. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So you started as a uh, loan officer. Right. All right. And then your, your wife, she was a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then y'all were trying to flip some homes here and there. When, when did you start, you know, uh, flipping homes? Was that before the development? Yeah, because so what, you know, we buy, you know, so one of the beauties of this is back, which this is a dead space in the lending world right now. But back then there were what you call subprime loans or so it's basically people that have 580 credit scores or less. And so we kind of specialize in that space because that was the way I learned the industry. Um, and what we would get is a lot of times or a lot of times we get leads from people who were in foreclosure or pre foreclosure and they were looking for a way out to they were looking to refinance out or something like that. And there were just some isolated scenarios where there was not a loan available. They called us too late. Like we'd have people call us the week up and say, can you get us a loan? And so, uh, so by virtue of that, we said, well, look, you know, you're nine months behind hadn't paid the lender nine months. There's no new lender that will take on that mortgage. You know, you're going to have to do something to auctions next Tuesday. And so we had some opportunities to buy people out of extenuating circumstances like that. And then we just had other people would call us and say, Hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a tired landlord, or I have this house that's been vacant. We've already moved, you know, would you be interested in buying it? So by virtue of being in the business, we started to get opportunities that would come across our desk to purchase properties. And so, you know, we would uh, buy a house here and hold it or we buy and flip it. And so, yeah, we were coming across opportunities and based on opportunity, we'd either take it down or sometimes we'd wholesale it to another investor or another colleague. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a great, uh, that's interesting to hear you say that. And it's, and it's cool that you uh, kind of recognize that and, and talk about it. Cause I think that that's where a lot of people miss it is you talking about getting leads and deals just by uh, virtue of being in the business all day, every day. Right. Which is what we do. You know, we're, we own a real estate brokerage and have a lot of other things going on, but it's just all the time real estate. And then therefore, you know, if we wanted to, we wouldn't even have to do direct to seller marketing or anything like that to get leads just because it comes. But right. I think a lot of people miss that. Like it's hard to, for those who want to start investing in real estate, it's hard to get, you know, uh, a motivated seller lead when you're sitting at your desk at Amazon, for example. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, you know, I think, you know, I'm a big proponent of, you know, so I always tell people, be wary of a person's perspective or lens when you're learning from them. And, when, you know, in real estate education, you hear mostly, OK, go be a wholesaler uh, and start flipping houses. That's the or yeah, start flipping contracts or houses. That's the easiest way to get in real estate. And I always tell people, pay attention to the personality type of the person that's saying that. Nine times out of 10, you're, or not nine times out of 10, but a lot of cases, like for me, the people, I'm not a great, I'm not a great wholesaler by default or personality type. Mm 
I'm I'm only able to wholesale and be effective with it when I wholesale. Number one, I don't want to wholesale anything. Generally, we want to keep all the any great deal we find, we want to do it in-house unless it's totally outside of our buy box. But those opportunities are created as a result of some of the activities that we have that are going on and and the the kind of reputation that we have. But just inherently as a wholesaler, like for me, wholesaling, you have to try and negotiate the lowest possible price generally to get the deal. Uh, when I go in to buy houses, I generally try and pay as much as I can, which is diametrically opposed to what you would be as a wholesaler. Now, the reason for that is I buy in inner city gentrifying neighborhoods that are like my neighborhood where I grew up. And so I understand the profile of the owner who's selling that property. And I understand that generally it's multiple heirs. You know, this property has been in the family for, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 years in certain cases. And so for me, I don't put my profit ahead of like, I think it can be a win-win deal. So to me, if you were to tell me as a brand new investor, wholesaling is the best way to get started, that'd be a recipe for failure <laughs> because I'm not built naturally to excel in that particular space. So I think it's important for people, number one, to figure out who you are as a person, number one. Then you determine based on understanding all the different lanes in real estate, which one of these lanes is going to allow you to achieve the goals that you have for that you've identified for real estate. All your bro you guys have a brokerage. Everybody doesn't need a brokerage, you know, or you may not need to be an agent. You may be great at sourcing loans <coughs> and be effective in that place. Or maybe you're just, you know, go be a investor and buy and hold, or maybe buying apartments, or maybe you're, you know, going to do some other method. So I think you got to figure out a little bit about yourself. Number one, then educate yourself on the different opportunities in real estate and then align yourself with the opportunities that are most in, most congruent with who you are as a person. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, wholesaling's definitely not for everybody. I mean, <laughs> you know, we love it. Like it, it's just doing deals for us, right? But we do, right. we do a lot of different things. We got the brokerage. We have a construction company as well. Uh, we've got uh, an acquisitions company that will either keep the houses as buy and holds. We'll keep them. Um, we'll flip them. Maybe we dispose of them and wholesale them. Uh, you know, we got a real estate fund that we're starting. Uh, we'll buy storage units, mobile home parks, commercial multifamily. You know, right. single family rentals, duplexes, quadplexes. Uh, we just love everything about real estate, and our motto right. has been like not choose one, but it's all about value and it's all about good deals and it's all about creating value. And if we can seize that in all these different areas, then the opportunities are almost endless for us because we're not limited just right here in this lane. Exactly. No, I 100% I agree. And you know, that's, we, we have a similar track, you know, um, obviously we have a home building company, we have a development company, we have a design company, um, you know, and within our home building company, you know, that's new construction as well as renovation. Um, and so I believe that, yeah, to me, like what you're saying, it's all just real estate, but see, we're at a level of mastery now. Imagine if you tried to do that when you first got started, right. Have these different verticals. And so, as you master one thing, it's easy because you're already in motion. So it's easy to add something that is already within the wheelhouse of what it is you're doing. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of, I call it reptile brain, which is a, a phrase I got from Ron LeGrand, who's one of the old school real estate uh, mentors and trainees. We used to always talk about, you know, like once you get into this world of real estate, it's hard to just do one thing because 
the premise is the same. It may like, you know, it could just be a mobile home park or maybe it's an apartment complex or, 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 or you know, my wife got me distracted for a second. Maybe do a podcast. <laughs> um, but once you get into the business now and you understand the basic principles, it's easy to be successful in any of the different lanes that you choose or do multiple at the same time, like what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's beautiful when, uh, they all work together. They're all in this little ecosystem that you create. They all feed each other leads. They all grow together and they all help hold each other up. Yeah, most certainly. I mean, you know, there are opportunities where, you know, my, so my wife's a, a broker now and we have a team of agents. And so she, our running joke is I'm her biggest client, you know? So uh, from a referral perspective, because of the amount of deals that we create just by, you know, virtue of doing the building and the renovation and the other things we do or design for someone or whatever the case may be. So we're able to feed our real estate team by virtue of what we're doing with buying and we're building houses. And likewise, that uh, our buying and building houses is fed by the real estate agents on our team who are finding deals, you know, whether it's on MLS or pre MLS, or they taking a listing and, you know, they call us, say, well, Hey, we're going to put this on MLS right now. Here's an opportunity that may fit. And so, yeah, they kind of synergistically uh, all coincide and work with one another. Yep. And it's, it's beautiful when it all comes together like that. So, um, so you uh, started flipping homes. You're in the mortgage business, wife, real estate agent, now broker, um, you started flipping homes. Uh, you said ultimately your goal is to do everything in house, try and keep it. Y'all did that first development, um, where since 2005 and since you kind of first got started, you know, to where you're at now, what's, what's been the journey so far? So, you know, as with all success stories, it's never a straight line up to the top, right? So there's, you know, all these different iterations. And so, um, so to kind of give a little bit of backstory and context, so like, um, cause if I'm a listener and say, well, dang, you, you said you were going to build 14, you only built two, like what happened there? So what happened was number one, I was undercapitalized. Number two, I didn't have partners, uh, which those kind of fall into the same case. Um, and to give an example, so the people that I bought this land from one of the partners was worth 23 million. So there was no need financially for the other partners. However, one of the guys was a dentist. But his own and I learned this after the fact, his only reason only because he was a dentist, he one of the guys he went to undergrad with uh, worked in the city now. <laughs> so this was a piece of dirt that had to be replatted. So his contribution was, hey, go have an off off bar conversation with your colleague from college and help us get this pushed through. Another guy was just the point person. So he was the person I met with who was always on site, who handled all the dirty work. He was the person with the building experience. And then there was another person who was a, a attorney. So he was the legal partner. So he handled all the, and, and in hindsight, I look back at that and I say, wow, that is a partnership. That's how you do it. And so that was the first lesson is I was undercapitalized and I didn't understand the power of partnership. You know, I had the he-man syndrome. You know, I can do this myself. I'm Superman mm -hmm. um, because I put I was able to find a project, finance it to get it all set up. But there were still other facets of the business that I had mastered that I could have leveraged via partnership. I also learned a very valuable lesson about me as a person in terms of what kind of builder or developer I wanted to be. So that was a development project. So that was a project where my primary duty should have been managing 
you know, making sure that all bills are being paid, capital raising is, is transpiring, and the project is moving along. So basically managing the managers. I love the minutia of construction. So I love, you know, being out there with the framers, foundation guys. I love pick, I love the design component of, you know, exactly what the cabinets are going to look like, what size the trim was going to be and things of this nature. So I focused on all of this detail work, which should have been the job of my project manager, whereas I should have been having my developer hat on. So that was another lesson is understanding that for where I was at that time in my life, I shouldn't have been doing a huge development. I should have found one vacant lot and built one house because I wanted to focus on all this minutia, which it was much bigger things that were more important than that minutia. So after that learning lesson and a lot of other lessons I learned from that, another valuable lesson I learned is a lot of times we focus on what I what I call the price versus cost conundrum. So I had a builder that when I originally set that project up, a master builder, tremendous builder guy, I know to this day. And so the vision was to have him build the first couple of houses so that I could totally learn the space, then build out the remainder. Well, he wanted to charge me 50,000 to build the first house, which I just couldn't accept that number. And it's a high number to build a house. Uh, that house was 1,710 square feet. And it was a custom home and a, uh, a really nice part of town, but still $50,000 was just a lot of money. It was uh, probably about a 25%, um, yeah, probably about a 25% fee on that. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to pay that fee. In hindsight, I should have paid the fee because it would have, for me to pay him 50 grand to learn everything he knew would have been a steal. But in my mind, I was focused on the price versus what was it going to cost me to not have someone that valuable on my project? Mm -hmm. Price versus so that was another lesson I learned is understanding when to pay a premium for the knowledge or wisdom that I desire or need to be successful in whatever it is I'm doing. And so after that project, you know, we recuperated financially um, and dust myself off, continue to do business and what I began to do then. Um, and, you know, we still had our mortgage company at that time. We still had a fairly large real estate team. And, um, you know, so went back, kept the cash flow going and just went back, started buying me some more houses and flip a couple of more houses. And um, and then shortly after that, we went into like 08, 09 crash. And during that time frame, um, which leads into another long drawn out story, but me and a buddy of mine. So it was foreclosures everywhere during that time period. So we bought a bus and wrapped it in. And uh, it was a uh, Houston uh tour Houston foreclosures, I think, uh, com, And so we bought a bus, wrapped it. And, um, and my, my business partner at the time had the HUD contract. So all the HUD homes, any FHA loan to foreclose, we were the listing, uh, our office was a listing office. So we have 70, 80 listings at a time. So we had a bus that we wrapped and we take investors and home buyers out on the, on the weekends to look at properties. And that led to, uh, <laughs> back then, you know, flip this house show created a new, they had created a pilot show called deals on the bus where they were, it was a guy in California, us in Texas, and maybe a couple other parts of the country where people were, that's, we saw this guy in California. So we copied the idea and other people did it as well. So we did a cool little pilot for flip this house years and years and years ago. Uh, and, uh, so it's a nice little sidebar. And, and from that's, then, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That, that's a that's a great idea. I love that. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, next crash we'll probably do some again similar. But it was so fun, and I mean, we still have clients that we sold houses to or that did business with us back then from 
back uh, during that time frame. It's so funny. And it's so funny because the bus was like five grand. We almost paid more for the wrap. I think the wrap was uh, $2,700. So the wrap was almost more than a little bus. Funny, mm-hmm. <laughs> But um, and so then after that, um, I mean, I invested in some other businesses as, as well uh, t- right after the crash. And so we had some other things that we were running, but we always kept doing some real estate. Um, and then, um, probably around 2000 and, um, let's see years, 2021. So probably towards 2013, 2014, um, I'm 40, I just turned 48. So at that time I was turning 40 and I started kind of, kind of looking at, you know, what am I going to spend the rest of my years doing? Um, cause after 08, 09, I transitioned out of, uh, or I just closed our mortgage company because, um, a couple of factors. One, my wife used to always tell me I should spend less time in our mortgage company and more time buying deals and focusing on the real estate side of our business, which I ain't listening like most husbands don't. So finally, I started to pay attention once they started to change the fee structures and mortgage because it, basically you're doing triple the work for about half the pay. So it's like, well, I'm good on mortgages. Let me just focus on, focus on real estate. So we started building up our portfolio. And prior to... Um, 2013, 2014, um, the market's doing really good, relatively speaking. So we thought the market was kind of peaking out. So we sold most of our portfolio, say, hey, we'll start over. So we'll let things settle down, start over. Well, lo and behold, the market has only skyrocketed since then. So we mm-hmm. said, well, let's, let's just start back buying. But I set up uh, around 2014, um, towards the end of 2013, going into 2014, I set up uh, my company, Houston Vintage Homes, with the mission to go back into inner city Houston and other neighborhoods like it to redevelop uh, these communities. One, because this is, in hindsight, this is something that I used to dream about as a kid. Now, at the time, I didn't necessarily remember it. But as I reflect and I've done interviews and stuff like this, I start remembering stuff that I had forgotten or and, and it brought me back to certain things. And so I set up Houston Vintage Homes. Our mission is to reshape the face of Vintage City Houston one home at a time. And I can honestly say from the moment I was solely focused on doing what was most I was most passionate about as it relates to real estate. I've had the most success, made the most money, had the most fun of my entire career. That's awesome, man. And I was going to ask you about uh, the mission because you're wearing the by the block back T-shirt and <laughs> yeah, you're talking awesome. about, you know, uh, inner city Houston. And so tell us a little bit more about, you know, having this dream as a kid and, and what you're doing now. Tell us more about the mission. Sure. So, you know, life is very serendipitous. And what I mean by that is I can remember, uh, so neighborhood I'm from is called Fifth Ward. It's east of downtown Houston. When I was in first, second grade, we used to, you know, I'm dating myself. We had a clothesline in our backyard. See, I grew up in the real hood. This is what the rap hood, just the real hood. So I'd hop on the, the clothesline so that I could jump on the back of my house and I'd sit on top of my house and look at the downtown skyline and just daydream. Now I'm a, I'm in elementary school. And then you fast forward to middle school, my sister got a habitat house. And in order to get a habitat house from a uh, house from habitat for humanity, you had to volunteer a couple of hundred hours. So me, she, I'd always volunteer. Most of the family didn't want to go because you're working on a house. It was the coolest thing in the world to me. And I'll never forget the moment I realized how simple it was to build a house because, you know, they brought us out there after they had framed the house. So you had a rough end frame and I literally helped them put on sheathing, which they were putting this little fiberboard sheathing on the house, which that blew me away. I'm like, this thing is going to fall over. Right. Like, this is nothing. 
But that was where I learned the simplicity of home building. And so I never forgot that. And then once I got my license, I and I remembered all this stuff once I got into the industry. Um, but I used to go and pick up my buddies. Like I Houston's fairly large and wired, as you know. So you know, we're, we're in, inside the city, but when we go out to the suburbs, I might see a house. So when I got to, got to borrow my mom's car for the weekend, I get my buddy say, man, let me take you to this house. I saw way on the other side of town. So when I look back, it was always in my blood. It was, it was meant that I'd be in real estate. So once I came to the point of, you know, really setting up what I call a mission-based company, you know, it was all of these memories that, that were at the forefront of my mind. And I say, you know, I want to create an environment for the kid that was like me, but the house we bought wasn't a tight crib. It was just, you know, they just sold us what was there. It wasn't nice. It wasn't amazing. So I wanted to go back to those same communities, but build nice, amazing houses. And so one of our philosophies with our rental properties is our rentals don't look like rentals because where I grew up, if you could look at the house and tell it was a rental, where our houses that we build, I, I design it so that it rivals a house that isn't a rental because that meant something to me. And so that's a part of our mission is reshaping the face of inner city Houston and affordable housing. Usually when you see affordable housing, you can look at it and tell, oh, that's affordable housing development. Well, that's part of like that's a part of the issue. It shouldn't look like affordable housing, right? It should look, in my opinion, nicer now. And that's coming from a person who's lived in these type of properties. So I felt who, you know, I could wait on bureaucracy or the government or, you know, have opinions about what's happening, or I could get active and be a part of creating a solution. And so I chose to do the latter. And so the funny part is this is before buying in the, you know, buy back the block. Rick Ross made a song about it and it became popular within the urban community. But I was doing that long before I bought my first lot in my community in 2006, paid $7,000 for it. Fast forward to uh, last year, 2020, uh, we bought a lot, to, a few blocks down. It was 110. <laughs> so that shows you the value increase in that area over the last 15 years. Um, the other thing that fueled my desire to redevelop our communities is I didn't understand the data behind it. And I didn't know all the stuff I knew about it now. I just knew that when I looked at downtown Houston, my neighborhood that I grew up in, which is east of downtown, was the only surrounding area that hadn't been made nicer. So it just made sense to me that at some point development's going to come this way because all the other areas around downtown Houston had already been developed. And so I knew that I was on a gold mine and I, and I had the, the benefit of buying that lot in 2006 and watching how values had gone from 7000 to now if I wanted to buy a lot in that same community today. You know, it's about one hundred and twenty, hundred twenty-five thousand for a vacant fifty by one hundred lot right now. Um, so, um, so I set up Houston Vintage Homes to focus in on these areas and uh, just start buying old raggedy houses and lots in the hood. <laughs> I love it, man. Do you do you do uh, any type of mentoring for for you know yourself when you were a kid? Sure. Nowadays? So. Yes, uh, we do. So one of the things we tr we would uh, like to do is so there was a program called Junior Achievement um, where they would bring in professionals from corporate arenas into the schools to talk to kids. And so I never forgot that. So I felt like once I got some success, I do the same. So what we started to do is in the around the around the the schools, we find a school around the the properties we were renovating. And we'll go and volunteer. Um, and usually, you know, I go in and speak and I had to go and present to the principals or the administrators first and share with them what I'm doing. 
And and basically through that, what because what I want to do is one of our missions with uh, what we're doing from a development perspective is more on the economic development side. And we're working with some cities to help do this. But we got to get more people into the trades. Right. Because there are a large number of kids that won't ever go to uh, college. But they see the guy in the, the that's the plumber driving by in a van. and All they see is a guy in a dirty van. They're not understanding this guy probably makes triple what their parents make who went to college somewhere mm-hmm. or they see electrician drive no pickup and it's raggling dusty but they don't understand that uh, that electrician is probably going to do 450 grand out of out of one uh, van with a helper so uh in our mentoring one we want to help introduce real estate to our youth so that they can start thinking about it from a career path perspective the second thing is open up uh some of the different opportunities outside of being an investor outside of being a realtor or builder you could also be the person who kind of supplies the picks and shovels which is plumbing electrical uh hvac carpentry i mean these are you know these are careers that people kind of forget about but it's also part of why we have such a huge housing crisis because we don't even have enough people to build the housing that we need right now um, and then there are people in these areas, a lot of areas we service where um, you have people that are coming back into society that are looking for careers, uh, whatever they were doing before wasn't working and things of that nature. So we utilize. So we're doing mentoring at the middle school level, uh, some high school and then um, even some things beyond high school just for adults to get them back into the space. And we've had several people who we've introduced uh, into the real estate careers. They've now become carpenters. Uh, have at least three guys that are, that are now HVAC technicians because, you know, they were introduced by something that we did. And so that's a, a very gratifying part of what we do. Yeah, absolutely. It is. I think all that is, uh, is amazing. And it, it aligns with our, you know, values and what we believe in. Um, Matt and I, um, we'd known each other since we were like eight years old. Wow. Um, I was his uh, younger brother's best friend uh, growing up. <laughs> and so, uh, but it, it's really interesting. And I've been thinking about this a lot uh, recently, but I mean, our core values for our brokerage are opportunity for everyone. We believe no matter who you are, where you're from, what your current story is, what your background is, uh, everybody has the opportunity to be successful in real estate. You don't, there's no secrets. You don't need this side or the other. It just requires right. hard work, right? Exactly. Uh, we believe in with, not for, you know, and working with people, not for people or vice right. versa for our agents. Uh, you got to have a no fear attitude to kind of do what we do. Not that you won't That's experience right. fear, but be willing to walk through that uh, and yeah. come out the other side. Right. Right. And then our core focus is in and on. Uh, we believe in making money in real estate as a lender, as an agent, as a broker, and making money on real estate as an investor. Um, and like, I didn't, uh, I didn't go to college. You know, I grew up in a, in a good area and I had a good family, but I took That's the com- complete uh, bad so you're, path. You're um, a rebel. You're a rebel. I, I was a rebel. And by the time I was 21, I was a full-blown heroin addict. And, oh, wow. and I got, I got sober, but you know, like it goes to show that, uh, anybody that's done anything can can be successful in real estate and everywhere i go i uh i uh i just i wish that people were presenting the opportunity or were willing to take a risk on an opportunity like this like i was going to the post office the other day dropping off some mailers and there's two guys in there it's like 8 30 a.m they're talking about basketball and then they're talking about like cryptocurrencies or whatever 
And I was just thinking, man, like, what do they make? Uh, I don't know, but maybe 18, 20 bucks an hour, some along those lines, they probably get some good benefits from having, you know, a job with the government. Right. Uh, but uh, maybe if they came and gave us, you know, 10 hours a day for six months and solely focused on helping us find deals, they could be a millionaire in, in a year. Right. And all it takes is just a little bit of hard work and, and uh, the knowledge that this is accessible to everybody and that yeah. it doesn't matter what neighborhood you grew up in or what path you were on, you know, right. this is available and, and it changes people's lives. I mean, it changed mine. Most certainly it's changed mine and it's allowed me to be a vessel of change for others as, as it has done for you. And, you know, it's contributed so much to my life in the context of other tremendous people like you and Matt that I've met that are all around the country. So obviously you guys are right up the street, but, you know, I can literally fly to in my wife says all the time, like, you know, she's like, you can travel every other weekend and be in a different city and hang out with cool people. And and it's funny because that was a prayer of mine. It was a point in time in life. I said, you know, I endeavored to have a, what I call a familial network all around the country of tremendous people I could hang out with and we could do life. And so um, and because real estate's everywhere, it's like we just drop down the city and go around, look at houses, look for deals and things of that nature. So, no, I agree 100 percent. You know, there are very few industries that offer someone with not a lot of education or not a particular background or maybe you don't have a certain pedigree or whatever it is. You can literally outwork any financial, social deficit that you may have. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. And so I, I just love what y'all are doing with the. uh with inner city and buying the block back and doing all this mentoring for uh, kids and people who are looking to, uh, you know, better themselves or hopefully, you know, have some sort of career path in real estate, whether it's agent on your uh, team there in Houston or working for your construction company or one of your subcontractors, you know, plumbing or electrical, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, we are, you know, we're excited and, about the future really and just uh you know the coolest thing to me about real estate is and even where we are and, and i think most of us that are in the business really doing it can agree is that on you can wake up on any given day and start and redefine yourself you're still in real estate but redefine yourself um you know we i've spent the last couple of years not so much building our por personal portfolio as i have been building uh, a port, a base for us to do some of the development work that we're now uh, in in development stages of doing in different cities, um, because initially the vision. Well, when I set up Houston Vintage Homes, I had the thought to reach the vision or the vision and mission for the company. Truly, was to reshape the face of inner city America. At the time, I didn't have the belief in myself or the faith to espouse that. So I said, let me shrink it down to what I can wrap my mind around, which is I can do Houston. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And over time, I started to see how me not having the guts to really go after the national vision and mission was one holding me back. But it was also robbing communities that need the deposit that I and or other people that I could maybe effect or influence have. And so then I started to understand how me playing small ball isn't beneficial. And so that, and so I started making changes within how we structure our business and really just building the proper infrastructure so that we could really have the national impact that we've been called to do. So I'm really excited about that. It, it gives, still gives me the butterflies in my stomach when I think about it and just some of the things, some of the conversations we're having, some of the things that we're doing, but 
you know, it's what we were meant to do, and I'm excited to do it. I love it, man. I believe in you. I believe you're going to go national, then global, and then as soon as uh, Elon gets to Mars, you're going to go <laughs> reshape the face of Mars. There we go. That's what I'm talking about, my man. My man, that's my heart, man. Most certainly, man. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's what it's all about. And the reason why I wanted to share that particularly is because so many times I think what, what happens when we look at one of the issues, not, well, let me just, what happens is I think we have such a, real estate sometimes is taught with such a narrow view. It amazes me when people say, you know, people tend to teach that whatever they do is the best way to get into real estate or the best way to do real estate. I always tell people, no, that's not the case. Like, don't do what I do. <laughs> I go to the, I like, I buy the worst house. I, I go after the, the hardest houses, but I'm weird and I'm crazy. And I acknowledge that. Don't be me. You can go buy nice, pretty houses or go buy apartments or go, you know, go buy other assets that maybe don't require this type of headache. Now, there's a challenge to be um, overcoming all of them. So it's none of them are a cakewalk. But again, figure out what really uh, floats your boat, what gets you excited, what makes you, you know, there's a part there was a time in my life where my wife and I structured our entire lives to be able to wake up at 10, 30, 11 o'clock and not have to do anything, didn't have to be anywhere and so on and so forth. And that was fun for a couple of months. Then once you, you know, get tired of being lazy, then you start, you know, wanting to do something. Now, nowadays, I wake up at on average 536 o'clock without an alarm clock. <laughs> like I naturally wake up ready to go because I'm truly excited to go and get my day started to, you know, go out and impact and do something really cool, go walk old Ragley house or sit down with the pad, design some cool, affordable build to rent uh, development that we're working on or whatever the case may be. So, um, you know, once you can kind of figure out at least one lane to get into real estate, you don't have to stay there. You can grow, you can pivot, you can, you know, learn and investigate new things. And so it's an exciting space to be in. Absolutely, man. And, uh, I don't know if I'll ever be able to, because uh, it's not about money, right? Like all this success and growth that we're talking about, it's it's not about money. The money uh, just allows us to grow things larger and to go impact more people and to go, you know, uh, build everything out more. But it's really about, for me personally, it's just about like building. That's just what I love doing is building, right. building, building. And then like once it's built, like I don't want to maintain it. I just want to go build something else, you know? And so it's all about building. Right. I don't know if I could ever, yeah, I don't know if you'll ever, you know, hear me say, I'll be 85 years old. I won't be sleeping till 11. I'll be like, I'll be knocking right. on your door, seeing if you want right. to sell me and my grandson your property, you know? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, you know, uh, so I talked to, you know, I got some younger investors I like to hang out with because they keep me young. And, 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 you know, they, you know, they have these really big dreams. And when I'm saying, man, I never hear you talk about what your financial goal is. I said, well, I don't build my life around a number. You know, I've, I've lived long enough and have enough experiences where I've just seen, you know, I know people that the number is is a fleeting goal to me. You know what I mean? Because once you get that number, there's another number bigger than that that makes that one small and minuscule. So if you're only so you spend your life chasing a number. I'm not interested in that. You know, I'm not interested in having 50,000 units or whatever it is. I you know, I love the art of creating. I love the I love the beauty in taking the most dilapidated structure. You, like literally people call me when they know it's a teardown. Mm -hmm. But my is we don't tear down houses in the hood. So you so even though it's you think it's a tear down, I'm not going to tear it down, but when you come back in 4 to 5 months, you're going to be blown away by what it looks like. 
that that process never gets tiring to me. Walking up to a vacant lot and then on the theater of my imagination, crafting a vision for what could be on that lot, transferring it to paper, getting the city to say it's approvable and then building it like that entire process and what that entails never gets old. It never gets tiring. Now, managing some of the minutia does. <laughs> right. The <laughs> maintaining. Yeah, exactly. What we're talking about that maintaining part, but just that whole creative part, man, like that is so exciting to me. And so that's what even excites me about doing projects around the country now is because now I got all these different canvases that have different things and different moving pieces that get to contribute to what we have to think about in order to create some amazing. So, um, yeah, I just feel blessed and fortunate. And, and to your point that you made earlier, like real estate really is an amazing industry for anyone that truly has the desire and the uh, work ethic, you know, cause it's, it's going to be work, you know, you don't make the kind of money that real estate will afford you or create the kind of wealth that you can happen here without it being work. But, and, and it's a hard work, but it's what I call smart, hard work. So it's not like grunt hard. It's just hard because there are the emotional and the financial things that happen around it. Like we're in a problem solving business. I tell people real estate is a problem solving business built around people that involves a house or a piece mm -hmm. of land. Right. And so when you understand that those first two layers are problems and people, the real estate is still important, but the, the, the two things that, you know, create the most opportunity are the problems that we're solving and the people we're impacting as we solve those problems. Right. Absolutely. That's it. I was thinking about it today. Uh, problem solving. <laughs> I mean, yesterday there was a bunch of fires that had to be put out and uh, Matt and I uh, handle like two different sides of the business. He's all uh, business development and relationships. He wants to go to meetings. He mostly does these podcasts. Um, okay. he wants to go out and meet people and, and build relationships right. for us and recruit and sales. And like, I'm good at sales. Uh, but I'd really rather just be behind my computer in an office by myself, building something, right. Setting up the gotcha. structure, the infrastructure, everything. And, uh, I was thinking about, huh? Operations. Yeah. Operations. And I was thinking about it today. I was like, uh, I'm just a good problem solver, I guess. Like that's what that's what it that's all it is, is just solving problems. You say you look to he's like, you know what, self? You're pretty good at solving problems, self. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Cause we we talk about it a lot. Like, what's the one thing that each of us is good at? And let's just focus in on that. And like Matt loves the relationship side of things. And like, you know, I'm not like amazing at software, but I can figure it out. Like, I'm not amazing at right. building out training programs, but I'll figure it out. But mostly all that stuff is just solving problems at its base, right? At its core. Most certainly. Most, I mean, you know, it's part of why I set up our design company is, well, two reasons, twofold. One, I got tired of paying architects to, to put into software what I already designed. I already did all the thinking. I just sketched it out on a sheet of paper. Now, I didn't go to school. I didn't go to college to learn how to, uh, you know, do CAD or take a class or something. So I ain't have that part. But so that was the first reason. Then the second part was I, I'm, I'm truly good at creating and seeing the unseen. And, 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 you know, and so that, uh, and that's really been a huge pivot point for us because once I set up that company, it was amazing. Some of the opportunities that began to open up because, 
other people recognize and say, hey, listen, you know, we're trying to build this. Can you design something here? You know, if you could bring that model, over, you know, we're not in Houston. We're way on the other side of the country. But what you did over there, that could work here. Or how could you make that work and design that for where we are? So, um, you know, I figured out a little while ago that, dude, you're pretty good at this design thing, especially within this realm of affordable housing um and and whatnot so you know we've uh just kind of zeroed in on it a little bit so all the other things are still doing what they're doing but i'm really excited about the growth there good man well it's really exciting and y'all are doing a bunch of uh, amazing things um couple couple questions for you while we wrap this up uh first one is is uh what advice would you give to someone who's looking to get started today who's who's watched your podcast who's you know, listen to our podcast, they've read the books, they do it all, but they just haven't taken that step. Go out there. Well, the advice I would say, if they've done all that, now it's time to go out there and find a button, kick it. Right. So it's like you can, you can have your foot on the brake doing all the research and your other foot on the gas and keep in what I call getting ready to get ready. But at some point you're going to have to jump off the bridge or jump off the mountain or whatever it is and, and grow those wings. And there is something that you don't know right now that you're going to learn in the process. So you'll never know it all before you, before you take action. So if I put, take it and summarize all of that down to two words is take action on all the knowledge and the things that you've already acquired. Awesome. Simple as that. Take action. Heard it. Heard it here first. All right. right. Second question is uh, how can how can people learn more about your your businesses, your design company, your construction company, your mission, and what you're looking to do? You know, nationwide, and then eventually on Mars. How can everybody find out more about it? So I tend to, uh, you know, uh, if you look up Houston Vintage Homes on Instagram, is uh, where I'm probably most active. Uh, especially visually. Um, I have my most engaging conversations on Twitter. So you can follow me on Twitter, Tyron McDaniel, uh, or the Urban CEO. Um, my uh, design firm is Urban Vintage Designs. You can also find us on Instagram. And we have a website for Houston Vintage Homes and Urban Vintage Designs as well. So those are the best ways to reach us and keep tabs on what we got going on. Cool. Well, we really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on, uh, sharing your vision and all your uh, experience and expertise. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. All right.